Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Hello everyone and welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges that seeks to provide messages of hope to today's families. I am your host, Omar Ramos, joined today by... By Veronica Avila. Hello, Omar. And hello, everyone that's listening. Today we have a great topic, and I'm sure that it's going to resonate with many of us parents. It's called First and Foremost, which refers to attachment and the role that it plays in our relationships. That's right. And to talk about this, we've invited our friend and expert in family matters, Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and co-author of The Struggle is Real, as well as Jeanette Avila, millennial mother of an eight-year-old, Axel. Welcome. Thank you. So before we go into our topic, I have a question for both of you. Who would you say has been a great influence throughout your life and why? Such a good question. I think my mother, I think Mm -hmm. she's just uh, very peaceful, very compassionate and very kind, but also pretty straightforward. And and so just I think I always just go back to her and seek her counsel. Great. Mm -hmm. Jeanette, who would you say was the biggest influence in your life? I think my father. He's a very hardworking man, and he's very down-to-earth, very peaceful, very adaptable. I think I got a lot of his, inherited a lot of his good, positive way of being. Great. Thanks for that, Jeanette. Experts say that as humans, we seek to secure attachments that we can trust and be in a relationship with. With that in mind, I'd like to invite everyone to listen to the first skit that we have today. It's called The Wells and the Kitten. And the whales asked the kitten, what's your name? And the kitten answered, Penelope. And from that day on, the whale and kitten were a family. No matter what anyone thought or anyone said, the end. Wow, that was amazing, Penelope. Is that story about us? Duh, who else around here is adopted? Well, I like it a lot. You really captured my... my... Wellness. Thanks. Uh, do people ever say anything to you about looking different than your mom and me, like the people in the story? Sometimes. What do you do? Well, if they're confused, I help them understand it. But if they're mean, I just ignore them, like you told me. When did I tell you that? When I was little. You said, people may not understand it, but I don't have to understand it. You love me, and Mom loves me, and so long as I understand that, I'll be okay. Well, I sound pretty smart. Keep in mind, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, well, it's not quite bedtime. Uh, do you have any other stories to tell me? I can make one up. <laughs> okay. Once upon a time, there was a blue orange. A blue orange? Shh, I'm trying to concentrate. I apologize. Proceed. Once upon a time, there was a blue orange. Okay, so we're back and we just met Penelope, a very bright adopted child who has a strong attachment to her father. She has a strong sense of belonging, no matter how other people may view her. Dr. Alicia, you just listened to the skit. Can you talk about the attachment that is developed between children and their parents or maybe even their their foster parents or their caretakers? Yeah, there's a lot of research out there about the value of attachment. And without getting too complicated with what it is, it's just really being able to develop a strong bond with your child. And the earlier you do that, the better it is for their well-being. So kids that struggle, that don't, they're dismissed 
that are neglected by their caregivers or their parents and don't have that joining that sense of being belonging to their parents and having that connection later end up struggling as adults with more insecurity, anxiety. If you can't trust your own parents, then it's difficult for you to trust later on adults in your life. And so it's just very important as parents, the takeaway is how can we develop a strong relationship with our children? Mm -hmm. And it really is just being very present as we saw in the skit played out. Can you just be there be very present, be very alive. And there's a lot of examples that we could do. That. I could think of it, for example, in my own home. I come home after work. In the last couple months, um, it's very dark. So my kids like to turn off the lights when they hear me coming in and hide and they play monsters, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, they always hide in the same spot. But, <laughs> but you know, it's still very exciting and fun. And then, um, but what's fun is my husband joins in. Mm-hmm. And he spooks me because <laughs> he's obviously knows it. But the idea here is that they really have a strong bond with their dad because mm-hmm. he's he enters their play world. And this is just an example of how they've developed a strong relationship just in their play. He joins in. What does that mean? Uh, my son is very strong willed and is someone that would be problematic is very obedient with my husband and with myself as well. Why? Because he has that strong attachment and that strong attachment is developed with that relationship being built. Exactly. And that's why earlier I asked you who was the person, the most influential person in your life, because that attachment that you're talking about between your husband and your son is probably something very similar to what you had with your mother and what Jeanette had with her father. We're, we're not talking about attachment that's going to be temporary. This is something permanent. This is something that's going to go down in their life journey, which is it's it's a good thing. But it's also it can also be a little scary because you don't know if you if you're not doing it the right way, if you're providing a negative attachment, then people can be affected, right? Yeah. And I think if we think about the positive, it's just being present and joining Mm -hmm. with your kids. So let's not get too complicated about it, right? It's when they ask a question, answer the question. It's look at them in the eye, get down at their level. It's explain things, be attuned, play with them, have fun with them, enjoy them. When they interrupt them, do you always have to dismiss them? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, when you're interrupted by them, do you have to dismiss them or can you stop and pay attention? Um, Because as they grow, when, you know, it gets really icy and difficult as adolescents and they're going to be asked to make value judgments that perhaps might be against the values that you imbued on them, who are they going to listen to? Are they going to listen to their peers because you've neglected them? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to listen to you because you've invested them in that way? Love it. Love it. Jeanette, can you tell us maybe a, an experience that you've had with your son in regards to this? Sure. Well, I can think of plenty. But um, one of the things that we do is we talk a lot. I am a listener. I like to listen to people. And I get to his level uh, we have a routine every day, We, mm-hmm. um, especially when he's taking a shower. That's when it's our me time moment. I ask him about his day at school. Just general, I get at his level and I just listen and I get to have that bond with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Thank you, Jeanette. So we're going to go ahead and proceed. And what happens when outside influences interfere? We're going to go ahead and listen to this story that we have with Penelope a little later in her life. The whale asked the kitten, what's your name? The kitten answered, Philip. And from that day on, the whale and the kitten were a family. No matter what anyone thought or what anyone said, the end. Mom. Yes? What would people say to you about being adopted? When I was your age? Yeah. Well, everyone mostly brought up how grandma and grandpa looked different than me, which was true. 
It was just a fact, I suppose. Just not a very interesting one. What'd you get mad? I tried not to, but I still did. I kept it on the inside most of the time. There was this one time I remember at the airport. We were flying to Europe to go to France and Italy, and I was checking in with Grandpa. I don't know where Grandma was, and the woman at the checkout counter looked at our passports and got confused and said something like, where are her parents? And Grandpa said, I'm her father. And the woman said, really? Just like that, real nasty. Really? And there was something about it that just made me so mad. And I started crying. Immediately, angry tears, just hot, burning down my face. And this woman thought I was scared. And she turned to me and she said, well, where are your parents, sweetheart? And all of a sudden, I heard someone screaming at the top of their lungs. And a few seconds later, I realized it was me. I was screaming. No words, just sound. I was so mad I had no words. That never happened to me as a kid. I always had something to say. I don't know how my father got us onto that plane without security rushing in. I guess maybe the woman was so embarrassed or he was so calm. Your grandfather was always so calm about everything. Even when people were getting nasty to him. And that's how I always tried to be. But that one time, man, yeah, I was upset. Sometimes people make me mad too. What do they do? They say I'm dirty. That my mom and dad are white, but I came out dirty. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my God, sweetheart. You know those people are just ignorant, right? They're confused. But they don't like me. They don't like themselves, and they take it out on you. That's what bullies do. But they have no idea what they're talking about. Do you understand? Yeah. Your father and I love you. Yeah, I know all that. It's just, it just makes me mad. And I just wanted to know if, because you were adopted like me, if you ever got mad too. I used to. I really used to. But never because I was adopted. Never because I didn't look like my parents. I got mad because there were people out there that thought it mattered. That you had to look alike to be a family. But you just watch. Years from now, you will feel so much stronger for turning the other cheek so many times. It doesn't feel good now, but just wait. Okay. It doesn't happen all the time, does it? Oh, just this group of kids at camp. You know, you don't have to go there anymore if you don't want to. Really? Of course not. There's a hundred summer camps. Or you could hang out with me. All day long? Maybe. Do you like vacuuming? No. Can you do dishes? No. I mean, I want to stay in camp. They don't have to run it for me. You sure? Yeah. You want me to call their moms and get them grounded for the summer? No. It sounds nice, but no. Well, I'm pretty proud of that answer, actually. You're a good kid, you know that? A good, cool, awesome kid. You're a good, cool, awesome mom. Well, that was refreshing. Um, Penelope is a mom now, many years later, and she shares a story about the wells and the kitten with her son. Then opens up about a frustration outsiders brought to her reality when she was a lot younger. And now her father made her feel secure in the midst of all of it. Can you expand more on this uh, father's important role, Dr. Lowes? Yeah, I think I think that was a beautiful picture, too, of how to it was, handle it that. Was. I, yeah, I think yeah. it, was, it was really just great. But I think what was interesting in it was that one of the... I mean, well, she had a lot of fun. The mom played out to the fears of the son, like... Oh, do you want me to remove you from from the summer camp mm-hmm. and just kind of played with it? But on the other hand, that happens a lot sometimes for real in the sense yeah. that parents feel 
you want to protect your kids from the horrors of life that just you don't want them to feel that pain and because you don't want them to feel that pain you want to protect and so at times it is appropriate to move or or to change the camp or to change the situation and yet at times what's most effective is to teach kids how to push through that difficult circumstance because mm-hmm. we can't always control the outside circumstances at work we can't remove the people that exactly. are working with us that could be bullies at school you can't remove you know necessarily remove the people that are bullies so at some point we need to teach our kids how to navigate those challenges when they discriminate whether it's because your son is skinny and this one or your daughter's too tall or whatever the circumstances may be we need to not be so overprotective with them i know the the skit was just having fun with it mm-hmm. but i think it just draws that that highlights that, that that's pretty important they will appreciate that dr lawos because mom's not going to be there 24/7 you can't keep them in a crystal ball, mm-hmm. you know, 24-7. So why not just teach them how to deal with life, how to deal with the people out there in the world? Because that's where we live in. That's what probably make them stronger mm-hmm. and wiser on how to be more, a, a little more streetwise, I guess. Jeanette, do you recall a moment in your life when you felt secure as a result of the attachment that you had with your father, for example? Or maybe a moment of your son that he felt secure with you? Um, I can think of a lot of moments growing up in Mexico uh, with my father feeling secure. Um, knowing that he was always there. One particular moment that I recall very clearly was when we came here to Chicago and I was in high, in grammar school, third grade, and I was very afraid of going to class because of my accent. I was learning English and kids can be very cruel and they were making fun of me and stuff. So my dad took me to school and told me that I had a go to school that I couldn't just not go to school because I needed to learn the language and I remember I was crying and I kept telling him I want to go back to Mexico and he's like um you're not going to go back to Mexico because this is your country you were born here and I don't speak English but I'm still going to work so your job is to go to school and make those grades so I will never forget that and that was a, a moment that I felt like you know what he's my father and he's right and he's doing this for me but I felt like he was my hero at that moment that he was struggling but that it was now my turn to kind of do my part so that that was a, a healthy attachment that I felt at that moment Jeanette thank you for sharing that with us now Dr. Laos we've seen a um, healthy attachment in the two stories that we just heard but what happens on the other side of the coin when the attachment is unhealthy maybe even toxic what are the um, consequences of a unhealthy attachment Well, the consequences is that later on, either you create a sense of anxiety in the kids because they don't feel security. So how does unhealthy attachments occur when you don't attune? Like the mother in the story that we just saw or the example that you just shared, the idea that you're not really, you're ignoring your kids. Mm-hmm. So in this case, Penelope really paid attention, tuned in, shared her story and then connected and then they were able to resolve or talk through that struggle. So what do we do when we just completely dismiss? Well, you just have to get over it, you know, and you don't really take the time to explain it later on um, as an adult then it's harder for kids or individuals to be able to trust others and sometimes there's a sense of anxiety that is also created in in them you also have a lot of emotional ups and downs because you're not operating from a safe secure base so if you just feel a sense of security and safety because you have a place being your parents heart that you can go to mm-hmm. and you can connect you're just going to feel like you belong that you're a part of so whatever comes your way you know that you have that safety net that you can go to 
when that you don't have that, that creates a lot of insecurity as an individual. You just don't have a place to turn, a lack of belonging, mm-hmm. a sense of just not, you know, missing the mark. So when stuff hits you or people give you advice that is counter perhaps what you might have an inkling or perhaps some of the values you might attach yourselves to those things or to that other individual that might be very toxic Mm. because you don't have an anchor so as parents we're creating an anchor for our kids that they can really hold on to when we have that safe attachment when we don't do that they're just going to be carried by the wind wow and yes and what you're saying is obviously going to trickle down uh, in their life journey. And mm-hmm. for that, I'm going to invite all of us to listen to the continuation of Penelope's influence on her son, actually. Philip? Mom! What are you doing here? Is something wrong? No, no. Everything's wonderful. Well, who's this? Hi, I'm Roxanne. Roxanne and I have been spending a lot of time together at school. We had the weekend free and we wanted to come visit. I just had to meet the infamous Mrs. Whale. What? Not that you're a whale. Just, you know, the kitten and the whales. Your story, Phillips always talks about what a great storyteller you are. It says that's where he gets it. We met in a storytelling class. Actually, psychology of children's literature. Children's lit, actually, for short. <laughs> Not that much of a time saver, but it helps. I like to draw. Philip writes. We made a book. Oh, well, that sounds lovely, dear. Would you like to come in? Yes, let's... You said you wouldn't let me make a fool of myself. I tried to get in, but you wouldn't stop talking. So, Roxanne, is it? Yes, ma'am. You can call me Penelope. Are you sure you don't prefer Mrs. Whale? Joking! Are we not laughing about that yet? Oh, me, oh my. Honestly, Roxanne, you can relax. I won't bite. I'm not a shark. Well, Philip, I don't think I've ever met a happier person in all my life. I can see why you like her. I like her a lot, Mom. That's so kind of you to say. The book, Philip. Show her the book. Yes, yes, for heaven's sake. Show me this book before she explodes. Okay, here. Oh, my Lord. You made this? Yes. It started off as a class assignment, and then it sort of grew from there. I hope you don't mind we used your story. Of course I don't mind. It's just as much yours as it is mine. But my story's only a few minutes long. This is a thick book. Well, we added a few parts. See? Huh? Oh, look at that. They travel all over the world. And there's the kitten getting bigger. Roxanne, these illustrations are superb. Thank you. Is that, is that the second cat? Anyone in particular? It's me. Well, I guess you could be part of the story, Roxanne. You did draw the whole book. Oh, and now the cat's in a little tuxedo, riding on the whale's back. He's getting married. Oh, wait a minute. To you? Yeah. You're getting married? Yeah, me and Roxanne. What? We're getting married in real life. What? We're getting married, Penelope. And this is how you tell me? With a children's book? Why can't you just pick up the phone and call me like a normal person? Who raised you? We thought this was more fun. Philip always says your story formed who he is, taught him how to deal with his emotions, and... Oh, oh no, don't cry. We thought you'd like it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's not that, honey. I love it. It's just... Well, come over here and give me a big hug. Mm. Mm. Oh, that was a good one. Oh... 
I'm getting tears over your book. Here. You can keep it. It's yours. Oh, thank you, dear. It's just so... Oh, this is the best present anyone's ever given me. So when is the date? Ah, that's such a sweet story. And I think we all felt the impact that mom had on, on her son, Philip. Why? Because, you know, this is how she coped with her emotions, the story of the whale and the kitten. Uh, when she had her son, she talked to him about the whale and the kitten again because this was the way she coped. And this is the way that she taught him to cope with things in life. And now, I mean, it was a little funny. I mean, I don't know if I would do this with a, with a children's book, but that meant so much to her because she's made such a big impact on, on his life with that. I, I don't know. I guess there's different ways of, of doing that. But what can you tell us parents uh, or what can you advise us parents? How do we do this with our kids? How do we form this bond, this attachment with our kids? I think we've been talking about it, being present with them. So mm -hmm. that means put your phone down, play with them, talk to them, enjoy them. Just spend 10 minutes a day with mm -hmm. them. Sit down at their level and just attune to them. Look at them eye to eye. 10 minutes a day. It doesn't even have to be, you know, hours and hours, but you will notice the difference um, because they will feel heard, that they will feel valued, they will feel appreciated. Just enter their world, enjoy them. Um, if you're cooking, have them cook with you. If you're doing chores around the house, have them help you do chores mm -hmm. around the house. Um, so integrate them as much a part of the responsibilities that you can as an adult as well. So when you do that, you take them in, they feel safe, they feel like they're valued, they feel like they're loved. And then they're going to feel anchored. Yes. Um, and again, just think about it as a ship. If you are in the midst of a storm and, you know, you're in the ship, it's just going to go flailing everywhere and it's just going to sink. But, you know, there's an anchor. They're going to be able to hold on. So remember that you as a parent are an anchor for your kids. But that is going to be a solid anchor when you're attuned to them, when you love them. Just love them, really. Beautiful, so inspiring and so easy, but we just don't think about it. <laughs> right, yeah, and uh, I just want to add to that, doctor, that, you know, a couple years ago, I kind of found myself making a big mistake when I would actually spend time with my daughter, who unfortunately doesn't live with me. But when I did go see her and we did go somewhere to eat, you know, and we sat down, I used my phone for a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. I get emails and text messages, and then I found myself paying more attention to this gadget than mm -hmm. my daughter herself. And then I started noticing a change in her that she really didn't want to like converse and talk to me and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause I guess she was registering in her head, you know, this is number one and I'm number two. Mm -hmm. Thank God I was able to uh, understand that. And then now that I do see her, I bring it up. I go, you know what? I have this rule that I need to talk to you about Eliani. And she's like, What rule? Well, yeah, the rule is that when I'm with you, I'm going to put the phone away because I just want to know about what's going on in your life. And mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, everything switches around and she mm -hmm. feels like she's a big deal. And of course she is. So I think it's important. You just mentioned it right now about how important it is to not only communicate with them, but make them feel like they are the big deal mm -hmm. at that time and moment when you are having a conversation with them. So thank you for that, mm -hmm. Dr. Laos. Yeah. And moving forward, Jeanette, I'm going to go ahead and pick on you now. Yeah. Uh, in life, we got to be realistic. Not everything is positive. And sometimes we do see, you know, I was, I was kind of cooking a negative attachment in the past. Thank God I was able to correct that. And in your personal experience with your friends that might have children have you ever seen a negative attachment developing and do you ever like press on the brakes pull them aside and say hey i think you're doing this wrong and what do you say to them hmm, that's a tough one 
I don't think I've experienced any. My all my friends are moms. I think one of them in particular. I'm not gonna say names, but um, she <laughs> claims that she is a friend first, then a mom, and I'm against that. I think we should be parents first and then friends, because there is a fine line that could yeah. be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. And exactly. And I think I understand her struggle because her daughter is a teenager and she's a single mom, so it, it's hard. But I just haven't found the right moment to tell her how I feel, but this will inspire me to do that. But yeah, the difference between being the mom and being the friend, mm-hmm. that's, that's tricky. That's a really good point. So attachment, you know, doesn't mean that you have to be their best friends. Mm-hmm. No, you do need to have rules. You do need to have values. You need to have expectations. They've got plenty of friends. They need a mom mm-hmm. or they need a dad. And so that is a very good point. So when we're talking about attachments, we're not talking about friendships. When you think of friendships that are peer-to-peer, they're there to just make each other happy, I guess, <laughs> or um, cater, say, they say things that they want, you know, the other person mm-hmm. to hear. You know, some friends are open to hearing that kind of feedback, but they do things together in that regard. You as a parent, we're talking about a solid attachment. We're talking about creating an environment where your child trusts you And then because they trust you, they're going to be more likely to follow the rhythm, Mm -hmm. the pace of life that you set out. So, again, it will help you with establishing discipline in the home because they will trust you to follow the rules because you've developed that bond. If you don't have a bond and then you're trying to develop discipline and rules, why are they going to follow them? Mm-hmm. because they, you know, you haven't taken that time. So, so that's the difference. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I think we've had a great conversation today, and I think a lot of us parents will be taking a great deal out of this conversation. Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your insights with us. All righty. So, uh, ladies and gents, please stick around for the next podcast called False Intimacy Fallout, where we'll explore the side effects of poor choices and attachments to objects. Um, thanks for tuning in. The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. Make sure you download it from iTunes and share it with your friends. Veronica? Yes, and make sure you follow us on social media with hashtag the struggle is real or hashtag TSIR. You can get tips, ideas, and more at FamilyBridgesUSA.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Veronica Avila. And I am Omar Ramos. Till Til next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.